Welcome to Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Your host, Jeanette Linfoot, talks to incredible people about their experiences and unleashing their full potential. From the boardroom tables of big international business to the dining room tables of entrepreneurial startups, embracing opportunities, overcoming challenges, taking risks, while staying true to yourself is where the magic happens. Hi, it's Jeanette here. If you're enjoying Brave, Bold, Brilliant, I'd love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends and leave a five-star review. Let's do it. Here's the show. So welcome to the Brave, Bold, Brilliant podcast. I am your host, Jeanette Linfoot, and I'm here today with Joel White. Now, Joel has got a wealth of experience, gosh, over 10 years of experience in property and finance. He's the group managing director of Ramsey and White. And really successful business helping property investors really scale up and grow. And yeah, Joel, lovely to see you on the podcast. It's a pleasure to be here, Jeanette. I, you know, I've been following your podcast for a while now and your journey and what you've done. So uh, I'm a fan and, uh, and it's a pleasure to be here. So I feel honoured to be on the podcast and look forward to the conversation. Excellent. Oh, well, and actually we managed to get this in the diary um, pretty fast. So uh, that was even better. See, you're a man of action. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the business side of things first, Joel, because some people will have heard of Ramsey and White and you are actually moving and shaking in a really big way in the industry. But yes. some people might not know you so well in the business. So give us a bit of a flavour about Ramsey and White and what you've got. Yeah, so uh, our core business is uh, Ramsey and White Finance for Property Investors, um, specialist mortgage brokerage set up specifically to help property investors finance their deals. So anything from buy to let, uh, bridging, commercial, HMO, service accommodation, holiday let, portfolio acquisition, limited company lending, um, complex uh, corporate structure finance. Um, that's kind of where we sit and we work with property investors all across the UK. And also we work with foreign nationals and expats um, who invest in the UK property market. Um, so that's our core business. Um, uh, we've been no nominated and won a number of awards in that business in a short space of time, which is good. Um, and yeah, this this year we've done uh, 102 million in completed loans, um, which is testament to the team. Uh, and then alongside that, we have an estate agency business. So a traditional kind of real estate arm, so that's called Ramsey and White Estate Agents, uh, which uh, sells residential properties and lets properties. So um, yeah, it's been a positive year for that as well. I think we sold about 190 houses this year wow. in that space. And then um, we have a brokerage in London that we've invested in called Mary Oaks, which is a development brokerage. Um, and we invest in residential and commercial property in the background. So we renovate properties and let them out. And we have a small maintenance company as well that manages uh, our refurbs and helps our landlords via the estate agents as well. So very passionate about business um, and helping our clients achieve their kind of needs and wants. And um, yeah, the business gives me an opportunity to work with uh, like-minded individuals um, who are looking to progress as well. So yeah, hopefully that's a bit about my businesses and what we do. So yeah. Fantastic. And what I love actually is, is one, obviously you're an expert in finance, yeah. but you're also a property investor yourself. Yeah. So you really do genuinely know what it's like to be on the other side yeah. as an investor, yeah. which I think gives you a unique kind of differentiator, if you like, compared to maybe other brokers that don't actually invest themselves as well. Uh, yeah. Would you say that, that, that that's a fair comment? No, I definitely say it's a fair comment. And one of the reasons I got into finance is because I was working in a state agency before. And the reason I got into a state agency because I wanted to be in property, right? So I wanted to get in property, but I didn't know how to because I thought property was um, 
almost so expensive. Like, how mm. can I get into property uh, coming from kind of hum- humble backgrounds? So I thought becoming an estate agent would allow me to understand the property market, get to work with investors, landlords, developers, um, and, and home movers, etc., and really understand the market and what it took to be in property. Um, so when I was buying my first investment property, I got recommended a mortgage advisor, and he was really old school, kind of slick back hair, maybe in his late uh, 50s, early 60s, and um, hadn't moved, I guess, with the with the uh, times of the uh, the finance market, right? And he basically said to me, um, "Leave it to me, and I'll sort it out for you." Right? Mm. There was no real kind of in-depth fact find there was no real understanding of my strategy or what I was trying to achieve and it was my first buy to let and um, the experience wasn't great and I ended up getting the wrong product on that buy to let so I had a residential mortgage at the time I, was, I had a residential mortgage and it's my first buy to let so simple buy to let in my own name um, but he ended up getting me a residential mortgage on a buy to let and I, I didn't know how he'd done that considering I already had one and he had that information um, so that experience wasn't great and it made me I'd have to reverse things to get that simple buy to let transaction through um, so I felt let that down by that and for me if I was going to invest my own capital into my property business then I really needed to understand leverage and how the banks work because being an estate agent I understood how to uh, negotiate deals with vendors uh, how to market a property, how to make a property presentable for, for letting, um, the conveyance inside of it, working with solicitors via the transaction. But we had a mortgage advisor in-house, so they dealt with that side of things. So I didn't mm. really understand how the banks work, how bridging finance or private finance work. So um, there was a gap in my knowledge. And I wanted to understand everything before I put my own capital in to kind of de-risk um, uh, my own investment. So I trained to be a mortgage advisor. And that's why I become a mortgage advisor to learn about what's going on. And that's why I say to everyone at Rams and White, remember why I set up because of my own experience. Therefore, when we're speaking to clients, find out what their real needs and wants are, mm. what their plans are now for the for the, the immediate plans, but uh, medium term and long term plans. And how do we fit into that? How do we help them let them know what lending is available to kind of uh, momentum invest, as it were? Yeah, and, and you know what, there's, there's a couple of things just to pick up on. I think understanding the client and the client needs, but not just short term, longer term. Yeah. Um, I mean, we talk a lot about purpose and, and how your business purpose fits into your life purpose. And I think that is so, so important. And very often people will just be thinking about, well, I've got this deal right now. It's a buy to let or it's commercial or whatever it is, but not don't necessarily connect the two. Yeah. And I think that's a really valid point you've made. Just And, and I guess you're there to to support, guide, get the right product for the client, but also to to create a genuine partnership with your clients so that you become, you know, almost like an extension of their their own team, really. Yeah, like most of our clients treat uh, property as a business. So Mm. either through an SPV, a company structure, and uh, they're looking to acquire a number of assets into the the portfolio to to build a business, right? Mm. And um, there's different types of um, properties, you know, residential, commercial, and then there's different strategies within that, you know, HMOs, holiday lets, residential buy to lets, um, and there's learning and finance that goes with all of that. So for us, it's about uh, being that finance arm to their property business. So they don't need to worry about that. They can go and do what they do best, which is raising finance, negotiating deals, structuring, putting um, uh, their business kind of plan together, and we will let them know what's going on in the market in terms of the finance lending market to support their requirements. I think during COVID, we've seen uh, 10,000 mortgage updates from 14 different lenders, right? So um, 
uh, some borrowers know about different lenders, but how could they know about all these different transactions or different changes in the market without having a team like ourselves there to let them know? And it, it, things were happening so quickly. Mm. Um, it was important just to give the clients that information so they can make informed decisions on how to move forward with their business. And yeah. ultimately what we're trying to do is save their money and make their business more efficient from application to completion. Yeah, brilliant. God, there's loads in here. And we're going to get into a bit more detail, I think, yeah. on the property market and advice that you would give to people who want to invest, maybe either first time or more experience, etc. So we're going to talk about all of that later. Yeah. Um, but I'm interested in in the real Joel White, <laughs> the man behind the the entrepreneur and the businessman. Because you know you've got an incredibly successful business. I know how hard you've worked to 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 make that a success, and you should feel incredibly proud, which I know you do. You. And you, everything you do is with uh, the ultimate integrity. Yeah. That's a word that that I think of when I think of you. Thank you. Um, you know, but but it hasn't always been easy. You know, life is tough. We've all got things. You know, background family situations and all yeah. sorts going on. And sometimes when people look at the successful Joel White with, with the business you've got today, they won't necessarily know your backstory and, and where life started for you and what have you. So can yeah. we talk a little bit about that? Because I think it's really inspiring for, for everyone else to hear as well. Yeah, no, happy to share. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, we, we started in southeast London and um, it was you know rough and ready down there. Uh, and my mum didn't want to raised three boys in kind of Peckham. That's where we were at the time. So she moved, uh, uh, she moved us out of uh, London, and um, uh, my mum and dad split up. So uh, uh, we we kind of moved away from London, away from the drama and trouble. But we ended up moving um, to an area which the the council. We end up in another council state. So my mum didn't have much money growing up raising three boys, and I was the middle middle child. And uh, yeah, so where we ended up was was quite. Um, it was definitely uh, humble beginnings. It was quite rough, basically. Yeah. Uh, there was like kids with kids, we used to call it. There was a lot of crime, uh, a lot of alcohol abuse, a lot of drugs on the estate. Um, I remember kids would steal clothes from other estates to kind of didn't have clothes. And there's all this kind of poverty. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, it was just like, how can I become more? Like, I, I don't, why, why do we have to accept where we've come from? You know, and I think a lot of what, what I took from that experience is that people who were raised in that area because they were, they felt like they were a product of that environment. So, mm. okay, my mum and dad drink or commit crime, therefore I must do that. Mm. And then, you know, my friend's selling drugs, so I must do that. Like that's that was a general kind of uh, feel in that area. And, and for me, success is having the ability to start in one place but not being defined by that. Mm. You know, so, you know, we started there, but actually what mindset does it take to move forward from from there and a pivotal moment in my childhood was um uh there was a uh, my mum's friend had uh, had come up to see my mum's friend at the house and he drove a green rolls royce and imagine going like a council state and like you know it's you know it's, it's diabolical in terms of what you could imagine very very poor location and uh, this green rolls always comes up to the front of our house. And to me, I was about 11 years old. And mm. it, you know, it looked like a spaceship because I'd never seen anything like it before. And um, I said to my mum, like, you know, what, what is, you know, what is this? It's a Rolls Royce. And I said, you know, how is this person, how has he got this? I've never met anyone with wealth before. Yeah. And uh, he's, she said that he's a businessman and he sold um, a business and therefore he was, you know, enjoying his retirement, basically. Mm. 
and um, and that made me think like, okay, there's another side to life. Okay, because mm. I asked her, why are we not in business? And she said, well, we chose not to be in business. You know, there that's uh, that wasn't the road that we went down. I've been ra- my job was to raise you boys, and mm. you know, she's done a good job of that. Uh, but this, I was intrigued by this person and what he had achieved, and that kind of. Uh, done something to my mindset about like looked at the world slightly different mm. i remember he drove us around the estate and into town and i remember sitting on the seats and it was like these cream leather you know rolls royce seats and i thought these are nicer than our couches at home, <laughs> yeah. right so um these are nicer than our couches and um that had a real kind of impact positive impact on on my journey, I guess as, as myself and what I wanted to achieve and like so there was that and I, I think like where my mum, it was tough for my mum at the time, not having much money and going through a lot herself. Um, I ended up going into foster care. So I was kind of in foster care uh, at a young age. Um, and again, you know, I, I didn't, at the time, I didn't understand why that was happening. Um, but I don't look at it as a negative now. I look at it as just part of the journey and all them experience kind of made me who I am today. And it was mm. just... Um, it showed me a different side to life because obviously when you get put in care you don't you don't go to another council state you go with you know you go to kind of a nice area a family unit mm. and it's warm there's food on the table there's positive kind of conversations so mm. you, you actually for a young child you, you're actually seeing an, an again another side how the other half live right yeah and it's all for me it's all about how can i make that possible for myself you yeah know? so yeah so Basically, that's kind of where where I started, and um, from from then on, it was just about how do I improve myself, personal development, how do I get around people who are better in themselves, working towards a common goal and uh, a more positive. So um, I ended up going, leaving home at sixteen, joining the British Army. Um, I guess that was an escape from from mm. that, an opportunity to get out. I was quite fit and active as, as a young man. So I ended up being in the, the Coltrane Guards. So I was one of the guardsmen outside Buckingham Palace, did all that. I was 17 years old. Wow. Um, but I remember having a conversation with my father and him saying, like, how much are you getting paid? And, you know, what's life like after the army? Mm. And, um, and it wasn't a great uh, living. And the army wasn't, you know, people that were leaving the army were... Um, the, the the regiment I was in was infantry, so mm. they didn't have any qualifications or um, uh, you know anything real real prospects of getting a decent career afterwards. Yeah. So I left the army to join. Went to university. I had to restudy to get my GCSEs, A levels. So I done that to study because I thought um, getting a, a degree would be um, the right way into moving into the world of work. Basically, yeah. yeah. And my friends were going to uni at the time, so that's what I thought I'd do. So. Um, but I quite quickly realised at uni that uh, that I actually wanted to be in property. Mm. Um, I, I spoke to a few people that were in property. One of my friends dropped out of uni to be an estate agent and he was coming back into the uh, the, the kind of the HMO we were living in, the, the student kind of digs and moaning about his job every single day. Um, but for me, I was really, I was asking him, like, I was intrigued. Like, oh, so what are you doing? I'm doing these viewings. They're making me sell property. They're making me let properties. I'm speaking to landlords, investors. It's quite stressful. But actually, everything he was saying, I was quite intrigued by it. And I thought, do you know what? I, I probably could do that myself. Mm, yeah. um, so um, I applied to to five different estate agents in London and eventually got a job in, as an estate agent. And I worked my way up from kind of admin in the back room calling uh, vendors trying to book in valuations to 
being uh, eventually a sales manager uh, and running a branch. Um, and then that's when I moved into finance after that. Wow, gosh, yeah. chapeau. Yeah. I mean, so when, I mean, obviously not, you know, a, a tough a tough background, yeah. as you said. And and I guess when you, the foster care period of that, you did you move quite a bit or were you with sort of uh, placed with one or a couple of families during that three, time? Three, three times and I'll end up with my uncle and auntie. So right. I would go like weekends or then a week here and two weeks and a couple of months. So it was, um, it's just... I guess it time. My mum was an amazing woman and very intelligent. Just, just uh, had three boys. Very active. Not much support. So mm. it's just a challenge for her. And I think when someone gave her the opportunity for a bit of support, she probably needed that support. And uh, but my uncle, who was her brother, stepped in and took me under his wing for about twelve months while my mum kind of got herself back on her feet. Yeah. And then I and then I end up going back into their home. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And were you and when you were in foster care, was that with your brothers or were you all no, sort of split it, up? It was just myself. Right. So I was quite active as a young a child, right? So busy. And I think um, that's what I was probably the most challenging one. So uh, yeah. I think my older brother ended up spending some time with someone, but really they stayed with mum yeah. and I, I moved moved on a little bit. Yeah. Wow, gosh, yeah. that's such a fascinating story. How do you think that shaped you and influenced you then? I mean, there's probably loads of things that, that you take from that time. Yeah, I mean, when you're younger, you're like confused. Why is that happening, right? But as you get older, um, you realise... You know, it wasn't that my mum wanted me to go away. It's just she had a lot going on and it was yeah. a challenge for her yeah. uh, to raise three boys with literally no money yeah. um, and no real family support around her. So um, I think that she did what she had to do to to give me the best. And mm. I don't look at it as a negative. I look no. at it as a positive. And I got to meet some amazing families who were really uh, made a positive impact on my life mm. and um, showed me another side to the council estate to poverty and actually what it meant to get a job or have a business or have a career and what you could do for your family off the back of that so I think it um it, it's uh an experience that I take a lot of positive from mm -hmm. um, but it also has made me have this kind of real in-depth drive to never want to uh, be in that position for for my own family and to to never have to raise a family in that under them circumstances mm. because it's not nice for anyone involved um so i've got this kind of internal drive which probably is deeper than my brothers uh, because they they didn't have to go through that at yeah. the same time so that has translated into uh, a really hard work ethic which yeah. anything i do i just go at 100 miles an hour and <laughs> uh 24/7 but i enjoy it you know yeah. uh, and that for a long time though it was all about in business uh, moving away from that yeah and so enough was never enough you know you want more 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 yeah and even though that's good in some sense like financially or you can drive the business forward but from a um personal point of view you need to sometimes reflect and say well is this healthy you yeah. know and to some degree it is because it's a driver but what i've managed to do is turn it around and say well actually it's not just about getting away from that we've achieved that now mm. you've got the mental capacity the financial security you're not going back to that place how do we become number one in the industry how do we create something of real value yeah. to our clients to our team uh, to the wider audience and for our, you know, our own families as well. So it 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 shifted my mindset into into hopefully being a better business person. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, listen, amazing. And I think you you made a couple of points. That one is 
with with purpose when sort of, you know, we talk about purpose quite a lot and knowing where you want to get to and I think you are really clear on where you want to get to and we'll talk about that kind of maybe later on yeah. but you're right a lot of people are either moving away from pain yeah. or they're moving towards something and actually for you I guess the first part of of that was moving away and now it's very much around no moving towards isn't it in terms of the next phase really for you yeah I think um it took a long time to understand how to get to where I needed to get to. Mm. There was no real mentors or guidance, and it was kind of figuring out myself, like self-learning along the way. Um, but that again, that desire to get to that place I wanted to be at. Mm. Um, and I think for anyone kind of going through similar situations, I would always just say, like, you know, who who's who's where they you want to be, and kind of reaching out to them yeah. and just figuring out and learning and reading and uh, just uh, getting yourself around positive influences. Mm. And it doesn't have to be just financial; it could be from a health point of view, mental point of view. Yeah. And uh, if you get yourself around the right people, then um, it's so much. Um, you can achieve so much more. You know, yeah. they say that a business ultimately is a group of people working together. Um, and I think that's so true. If you kind of nurture and look after them, people and have a great team, then anything's possible within, yeah. the, within the business. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for you, people are really important. You care deeply. You know, you, you're 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 passionate for your business, but you're passionate for the people, the team, the clients you serve. Yeah. You know, and that that sort of DNA, if you like, I think probably comes from from some of the stuff that you've experienced on a personal basis. Yeah. So, so how important is has it been to? When you're growing a business and you're doing amazingly well, um, how important is it to get the right people in in the team with the right culture that kind of, you know, they, they want to be on the journey with you? Yeah, I think it's critical to get the right people. Um, but sometimes the right person might not be the right person straight away and you have to go through a process to develop people. Yeah. And I think as a business owner, leader, uh, director, manager i think a good attribute to have is being able to see the best in people right mm. and seeing the best in them and what they can bring to the table but then nurturing that talent and putting some parameters in place to the guidance guidelines of what you want to achieve and seeing if they can kind of fulfill that role and i think what we tend to do as business owners is try and do everything ourselves early doors you mm. know so invoicing selling putting the products together you know packaging it all up and it's sometimes it's hard to let go and having the right people in place will allow you to let go um, because they can some people are probably better so mm. i've got a team of administrators case managers they're actually better at that side of it than i am right which allows me to do things like this or go and speak to new introducers and actually grow the business and scale mm. and i think if you can get the right people in place again it will allow your business to flourish and grow but you know, recruitment is is probably the biggest thing in, in business. So, you know, mm. I think we always are recruiting. We're always looking for that next talent. I probably see on average one CV a week. Mm. Um, it doesn't mean we take them on, but it, we want to know what's going on in the industry. Where are they coming from? Why are they not happy? Why do they want to move? Why are they coming to us? Um, can we build a platform mm. that looks after these people, gives them good careers? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a people business that we're in. Right? Yeah, always, yeah. always. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And I think as a leader, and mm. and this is kind of what I think where you are now. When you when you're starting out in business, it's very much around you. Like you should say, get stuck in, just do stuff because you know you're starting, right? Yeah. So and and actually, you learn a lot through that because you know the detail. Yeah. But there comes a point where you, where you want to step up and up, not out of the business, but step up, isn't there? Yeah. And I always the analogy I use very often is you as a leader. I think you need to be like a helicopter. Yeah. You know, you kind of need 
need to be hovering hovering above here, focusing on the strategy, the financial decisions, whatever it might be, those kind of big decisions. But then when there's something happening in the business, you need to know when to land, get involved, whatever that might be, whether it's a problem or an opportunity. And then take off again and, you know, yeah. let the team crack on. Um, and I think, you know, for you, that's exactly where you are because you've got, you've scaled the business significantly, but now it's the next level again, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's important to, so I'll talk about experience, right? So, um, you know, I, where I, I wanted to do what I'm doing now a few years back, but actually identified quickly that there was competitors in the market that would outperform me. Yeah. So you then have to, you know, have a look in the mirror and go, Am I ready to do this? Mm. And mindset, probably, but actually experience, no. So what risk does that pose on the business if I step into it too soon? And, you know, if you look at my career, I wanted to get into property, so I'd become an estate agent, right? So, and then um, I had bad bad advice from a mortgage advisor, so I I went into the mortgages, but I went Mm. into the residential market first. So I was a residential advisor in an underperforming branch. We helped turn that around. Then I went to a commercial brokerage because I enjoyed working with investors and and landlords, and I travelled fifty thousand miles all up and down the country, meeting investors and developers. Went over to the UAE to meet um, expats and foreign nationals investing in the UK property market. So from there, um, then set up my own business, and then I was on my own doing everything mm. from back end to front end. Then I took on an admin, the sales team, and then you grow organically. Yeah. Um, and I think you don't. I think people want to run before they can walk yeah and actually what you want to do is be successful right yeah. and whatever that means to you but it's hard to have that success without that experience mm. or with a team around you that can support the vision mm. um and i think experience is key so and but when you get to that level where you've got a sales team an admin team you've got managers you've got a board you've got directors then it's really important to identify the key roles of in each individuals in the mm. company and then hold them accountable and also you've got to hold you know keep yourself in check because sometimes you might drift yeah back into old habits yeah. right of well actually i can do that better <laughs> and, and actually trusting your team that you know you give them the opportunity now support that now yeah. feedback is important give them feedback on what they've done well what hasn't gone so well and how we can improve it as mm. a collective um, and individually and then that again gives you that time you're trying to create time mm to do what's more the higher value tasks. Yeah, I mean, that's brilliant advice for anyone that's like, you know, in an early stage business, you're absolutely yeah. right. You know, don't run before you can walk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I think it's true. If you're an ambitious person, you're always you're always on to the next thing, on to the next thing. And sometimes it's better to less is more, yeah. isn't it? And, you know, and yeah. kind of get those foundations, get that knowledge, yeah. get that really working well, and mm. then on to the next thing, you know. Yeah. And I think you're right. People tend to overestimate what they can achieve in the short term and yeah. underestimate what they can achieve in the long term. Yeah. Um, so like loads of amazing business advice. Um, and also I think your vulnerability and the fact you speak about your background um, makes you very approachable as well to people. They buy into you. They yeah. buy into your ethos, your values, yeah. which is so important. Well, I want to change tack a little bit. Can we talk about the market yeah. and the environment that we've been in, you know, from an economic point of view, from a property investing point of view, sort of, I guess, maybe we start with sort of your observations of, of the last year. Um, and some of those will be very specific 
2021, but some of them will actually, you know, probably hold good for quite some time. So, yeah, yeah what, what, what are your thoughts on the market and, and kind of what you're seeing? Yeah, so if we look at uh, 2021 as a recap, um, uh, then it's been an incredible year for uh, the housing market and house prices. Uh, we've seen double-digit growth um, in many different countries. So if we look at uh, the USA, it's 13% increase. If we look at the UK, it's 10% increase. Um, mm. Australia, uh, we've seen a 20% increase. And Canada, an 18% increase. So that's uh, we haven't seen that for a long time. So that that's uh, amazing to mm. the, the sectors within the property market. Um, this... Uh, drive has become from an increase in demand okay so when we look at uh, where that demand's coming down uh, coming from sorry then we look at the, there was a lockdown right so in that lockdown uh, there was pent-up demand you know mm. people still want to move either downsizing upsizing divorce relocating and there's still then fundamental factors within the market mm. um, and also what happened with lockdown and technology got in, implemented via like zoom so zoom and team calls meant that people could work remotely businesses had to adapt and they had to adapt quickly or they would not kind of thrive in the in the changing market so when that zoom and team calls were kind of introduced and then business owners got a bit more flexible about people working from home and actually working from home wasn't a short-term fix is actually now very much integrated into many businesses yeah um and some of the better businesses are doing it better than others and, and really well with having teams in the office but also teams remotely it meant that people could buy rather than being living an hour away from work and commuting they could uh, move to places which actually were more affordable they got more for their money it was that kind of race for space mm. uh, they were talking about so people could move into areas where they got more for their money didn't have to commute because they didn't think online and still be uh, efficient within their business what we see there is uh, property prices go up in their areas okay mm. which is great so there was a real demand but it lacked supply yeah okay so uh, demand was high supply was uh, low and uh, because of the movement in the market. Um, and then if we look at kind of uh, the interest rates, uh, the governments uh, wanted, uh, well, around the, world, uh, around the world, cut interest rates um, to account offset the kind of what was happening with COVID-19 mm. and inflation. Um, and uh, what that meant to borrowers is actually the cost of borrowing was cheaper. So if we look at interest rates, uh, they were 0.1 they've gone they've just recently gone up to 0.25 but that's the lowest it's ever been right yeah. in history so the, the cost of borrowing was cheaper so to get a mortgage or to buy a property nine times out of ten people use a mortgage and actually they could afford more mm. for what they're borrowing right so people could buy more and with furlough i mean people had money in the bank so savings actually went up if you look at the saving rates in mm. terms of uh savings amounts deposits and accounts went up um so there was that pent up um, money in the bank people still could afford property it was cheap and uh, people wanted to move into areas where they could uh, buy uh, cheaper houses and get more space right yeah so if we look at market drivers um, at the moment demand's still very high we can see this through the state agency sold 190 houses this year like we put a one property on the market the other day it had 90 inquiries wow you know it's too <laughs> bit it is like yeah for the, the business it's like the phone's on stop yeah. you know we need to bring in more teams so we can see from our own estate agent that the demand is still very high um so we believe this will probably remain in 2022 um we still think there is a, there's going to be movement um what we are seeing is that 
uh, more stocks come into market. So that's good. More stocks come to market, which means that um, uh, so there's more supply, which can cater for that demand. So you might see a soften in prices because mm. um, there's more supply. Remember, with the COVID last year, no one wanted to, not a lot of people wanted valuations or viewings to happen. Yeah. Okay, now that's kind of flat, uh, freed up a little bit. Will that change in the coming months because of lockdown, etc.? Potentially, but right mm. now we're seeing that. Um, during lockdown as well, house builders struggled. So new builds kind of struggled because yeah. uh, getting labour. And then the, some of our projects, we were kind of going back and forth to get some of the, the, <laughs> the, 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 the materials and you could only get so much, right? Yeah. Um, so that slowed things down. And then the cost of labour went through the roof. And we're still seeing that. And that's a challenge for house builders at the moment and developers. Mm. Okay. Uh, but at the moment, they can get out and develop property, which yeah. is moving in the right direction. Um, obviously, inflation at the moment is the target rate is 2%. But if we look at the USA, it's currently sitting around 6.2%. The UK, about 5.2%. Mm-hmm. Uh, Australia is, I think, 3%. And Canada, 4.4%. So the only way that the government will kind of offset that, or the Monetary Policy Committee, um, who set the Bank of England base rate, uh, will increase rates. So there is uh, talks around rates rising uh, but at the moment we've seen them from 0.1 to 0.25 i mean speaking to your mortgage broker or financial advisor you'll know what impact that has on your mortgages if you're in a fixed rate it shouldn't change obviously if it if your product follows this uh, bank of england base rate then there will be an increase in yeah. your payments right um so i think at the moment the government is more concerned about the economic recovery rather than the housing market therefore they're going to watch inflation if that carries on then potentially uh, interest rates right will come to, will, would be increased to uh, offset that yeah um so forecast for 2022 looking at some of the the stats out there you've got stratton parker which are high-end estate agent they forecasted a seven percent growth in 2022 um savills obviously the well-known uh, estate agency real estate agents have predicted the 3.5 percent growth mm. and then right move have predicted a five percent growth okay now if we look at what's happened this year say around 10 percent, and i'd say five percent of everything that's going on in the market is more realistic mm. okay um but again the risks of the market are interest rates so obviously if in- interest rates go up the cost of borrowing goes up therefore demand will go down therefore uh the prices of property will go down because there'll be less people in the market yeah um obviously inflation come increases that's where you'll see that happening um there's talk about china Evergrande, the property developer, looking at the d- defaults on on their loans, that could have an economic kind of cause financial crisis. This is what people are talking about. Will it happen? We're not sure, but that's what's being discussed. And uh, and obviously, COVID. Um, there's talks about another lockdown potentially in January, February. So that's from a risk point of view. Interest rate rises, China, and uh, in terms of Evergrande, and also COVID. Mm. So that's the risk. And I think when we make predictions or look at forecasts, and we should look at both sides of the argument mm. you know what's positive what's negative and take a balanced view as investors i would say when speaking to my clients or even looking at my own portfolio you can read as much as you want about what's going on in the market it's good to be informed um, and speaking to your professional team but what does your portfolio look like what does your business look like how robust is it you know mm. have you geared up quite aggressively to kind of grow how much cash have you got in the bank to support any downturns yeah. or interest rate rises 
Um, or do you have more of a robust portfolio in terms of its lower loan to value? You've been steady, you've been offsetting some of that capital into a savings account to support, or maybe you put it into a fund uh, to support any downturns in your in, in, in your property business. So I think it's really important to take a balanced view of your business and make sure uh, when you're, from our point of view, when we're growing, we don't, when we, when we hold capital, it's not just uh, funds for, future growth but it's actually protection money so you have protection money you have growth money and then you've got and got things like paternity maternity and all this offset money that you need mm. to offset uh things within the business so it, i guess you need to look at it from an overall point of view what's going yeah. on in the market where are you positioned in the market best case scenario worst case scenario and maybe in between as well. Well, it's so, brilliant. We've just had a we've just had a masterclass on on property investing, finance, and uh, and the macroeconomic uh, well global macroeconomic view. So that's brilliant. Thank you. That's right, fantastic, no Joel. So if someone was sort of going into twenty twenty two and yeah. they're thinking, okay, you know, or maybe, it could be any year actually, not just twenty twenty two, but but sort of kind of wanting to get into property, mm. um, maybe they've been thinking about it for a while, and you know, I've been a little bit nervous because of all this uncertainty that's going on. What would your advice be to them to get going? Because you've done it yourself. Yeah. A lot of your clients do it yourselves and then they continue to grow with you. But that first first step is often the, the mm. more scary step, isn't yeah. it, in anything actually, but a property as well. So what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you talk about uh, uncertainty and scary. And, and I think it's important as an investor to understand your risk profile. Mm. You know, So where do you sit on it? So are you kind of a, a high risk? Are you kind of medium risk or you like low risk? Okay, so if you were to spend a thousand pounds and uh, that thousand pound dropped to nine hundred pound, how would that make you feel? Yeah. Right. You know, but actually on property investments or like a hundred thousand or two hundred or yeah. a million pounds. <laughs> and I think it's important to understand your own risk profile and then look at strategies to support that. Mm. Um, I don't think you should do anything unless you have um, a detailed plan and spoke to true professionals within the industry okay so what you can do first and foremost before making an investment is speaking to a professional accountant mm -hmm. who um specializes in this market so can give you good advice about tax structures um company structures and their potentially view on the market and what's going on for their clients at the moment yeah. and that can give you a balanced view and then we look at um uh, solicitors and mortgage brokers and financial advisors, again, who can give you a balanced view from their point of view and how to structure things for mm -hmm. your business, okay? I'll then speak to estate agents and selling agents um, and letting agents, sorry. Uh, so you can get, a, again, a view on, on the market conditions and what's happening from their point of view. Now, with a estate agency, I'd probably say take it with a pinch of salt sometimes because always the property prices can be higher than what they think because their job is to sell property. Yeah. But from an investor, You've got to do your own due diligence so you can look on right move zoopla mm. and look at uh house price house prices and what's sold in the area okay mm. and then i'd suggest speaking to other investors in the market okay so go out your way to find investors who've built a portfolio if, if that's by to let or if that's hmo house of multiple occupation mm. service accommodation or holiday let or development and find out you know how they've done it and what they found because believe it or not a lot of these entrepreneurial business owners they're happy to share, mm. you know, the good ones are always happy to share. They're not going to tell you everything, but they're going to give you an insight in their journey, you know, and I think it's just, you know, you might want to take them for dinner, you might take them for coffee, just have a general chat and find out a bit about them. You, that's that's tangible knowledge, right? That's from experience. We spoke about experience earlier. So you get that. So what I'd say is speak to more people and write it all down, which will help you take a balanced view, make an informed decision on how to move forward. 
Um, what you'd need to do then is speak to a mortgage advisor and find out what is your financial position in terms of how much can you borrow? And they're yeah. going to look at your credit report and they're going to look at uh, where you sit on that credit report and maybe hit ways on how you can improve it if it needs improving. Mm. They're going to look at uh, your income. You know, are you self-employed? Um, are you employed? And tell you what uh, information you're going to need to provide to the lenders. Uh, they're going to want to see proof of income, uh, proof of uh, address, proof of uh, identification. So are you a foreign national? Are you an expat? Are you living in the UK? Yeah. Are you living in the UK, but actually you've been living in Australia for the last three years and you've only just got back? What does that mean to lenders? How's that going to do? So they're going to tell you, they're going to run through a full fact find and tell you what lenders are available to you and how much you can borrow and mm. how borrowing works. Because mm. as investors, we need to know, well, actually, how does lending work? Because, you know, when we look at, residential mortgages it's done on your personal income and expenditure when we look at buy to let they will want to look at your personal income to see if, if you know to support any void periods yeah and how do they look at that but also how is the maximum loan done and that's normally done on rental income mm. okay so again you can get all this information from a mortgage advisor who works in this space mm. normally the specialist lending market and then again you're speaking to your accountant about the structure, do you want to buy in your own name or do you want to buy in a company structure? Mm. I see so many people follow the crowd. I want to buy in a company structure. Why are you doing that? Because everyone's doing it. Well, have you spoke to an accountant about it? What that means to you? Mm. You know, what does it mean to that strategy? Okay. Because um, sometimes we see layered companies, structures, complex, which is great, very tax efficient. Mm. But then the lenders available for that structure is limited or the ones that do yeah. it, the rates are a lot higher. So then when we offset, when we look at the a different structure with cheaper products, it offsets that. So yeah. it, it's about having these conversations on your plan and what you're trying to achieve and then mm. getting that information from professionals who have done it hundreds and hundreds of times. Mm. Um, like I, we said, we've submitted or oh, completed on 102 million this year. That's a lot of applications, right? So we've got a lot of experience in this space. Um, and I think what you're going to do by having these conversations and building the plan is saving yourself money ultimately in yeah. the long run, which will give you a better return on your investments. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. God, there's, there's so much gold in, gold in there. Again, you know, just real, what I love about about you, Joel, is you you, you describe everything in very simple terms, layman's terms that people understand. You yeah. know, you take the, you demystify a lot of this because sometimes it can be a bit daunting when you're yeah. getting into this. So, you know, I think, and certainly I can speak from personal experience. I mean, you know, you support Chris and I with our property business. Yeah. And, you know, yes, we've got a limited, we've got a number of companies, but actually with what we're moving into in terms of luxury holiday homes and the serviced accommodation side, we're buying that in a totally different structure, yeah. you know, as a partnership in our own name, because yeah. we took that advice from our accountant. We mm. sat down with you and your team and, you know, and now we're moving forward, really excited about the future, but knowing that we've put all of those building blocks in, in place and we've, we're educating ourselves through that process as well. So yeah. but as you say, it's a, it doesn't matter if you're doing a buy to let or you're doing, you know, a commercial deal for multi-millions the principles yeah. are the same yeah. actually aren't they and I think that expertise and surrounding yourself with the right people networking all of that good stuff is is absolutely spot on 100%. yeah and, and make sure you're doing it for the right reasons you know yeah. I think um, as humans we can sometimes be led by our egos and um, and that's great sometimes because you can protect yourself in certain situations but actually you've got to do it you know what's important to you because the wrong strategy in business and property will ultimately um, cause you pain yeah. you know could that could be financial could be time could be stress 
Now, business ain't always easy. You know, mm. you see people, what they talk about on social media. It's not always what's going on behind the scenes, right? So you've got to look at the strategies. And we might say buy to let. It might be a trading business, like, mm. you know, holiday let, for example. Or it might be development. Um, it might be HMO conversions. It might be student lets, right? So you've got to think, identify, okay, what do I want to achieve? Your bigger picture. And then what is my skill set? within that business what do i bring to the table mm. okay you know you might be a builder you might be in a bricklayer for the last 10 years worked in trade so actually moving into development might be for you you might be a very good carpenter so being in that development space might be the right thing but actually have you ever valued a site have you ever looked at financing a site so there might be some weaknesses within mm. your strategy or your business model so what you need to do is identify what you're good at but then look at the full picture of what it takes to make uh, a business is successful. For example, you know, let's look at the, the Olympians that have gone to Tokyo, right? Mm. They're the ones winning the gold medals, but actually behind the scenes, what's going on? They've got a sports psychologist, they've yeah. got a nutritionist, they've got a physiotherapist, they've got, uh, you know, the coach, the manager, you know, and it's them. So it mm. takes a whole team to get that gold medal. Mm. So if you look at business as, you know, your metrics of uh, having a prof profitable business and being happy within that business, because happiness is really important yeah. as well. What's the point doing it? Um, what team is going to allow you to get that gold medal? Yeah. Okay. So at what's, so sometimes people jump straight into developments when they haven't even done a buy to let or, and that might be fine. But if, if they haven't got the skill sets or the right team behind them, then they may end up falling short. And if you fall short in that strategy, it's going to cost you a lot more than falling short, say, in a buy-to-let, buy-refurb, refinance yeah. type deal. So I just believe speak to the, as many people as you can around the structure, the finance, the strategy, work out a plan, ask some really good questions. Where do you fit in? Where are the gaps in the business? We talk about gap analysis, and that's just looking to fill the gaps within that. And then, uh, and then moving forward in a congruent way to, to in what you want to achieve yeah no yeah. that's amazing thank you for that and and then we could chat all day couldn't we, yeah, we did, <laughs> well that's true that's true yeah, yeah you can talk it's okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're a couple, yeah, couple, yeah, couple yeah, of chatter boxes yeah, yeah. um you know when you look back through through all of your your kind of career and, and the businesses and you're still very young by the way so you've got a lot more ahead of you um, than you have got behind you so yeah. to speak and um you know I guess if you were picking out some of the real highs, you know, the real kind of moments where you think, oh, God, yeah, that actually I was super proud of, of that. And it's going to be loads. Yeah. But are there any sort of pivotal pivotal points along the last few years which where you thought, yeah, actually, that, that, that stands out as a golden moment for you? Yeah, I mean, I read a book called Unsexy Business by Jamie Waller. Jamie Waller sold his business at 37 for, you know, circa 40 million all in. Um, and I was really inspired by uh, that book and Jamie's story. Um, and uh, Jamie uh, had an idea to set up, uh, Jamie's a patron of the uh, Prince's Trust. So obviously the Prince's Trust help uh, young people get into business, right? Mm. And Jamie had an idea that he wanted to set up something called the Enterprise Trust, uh, where he would pull in entrepreneurs around the UK um, to mastermind on how we could build an infrastructure that will last for the next hundred years because when you're like a patron of the prince's trust affects uh, the prince's trust effectively you're investing a hundred thousand pound a year uh, every four years sorry twenty five thousand mm. pound a year into the prince's trust which is helping these young entrepreneurs get into business but if you look at someone who's like 20 maybe younger 18 17 wanting to get in business and the people in the patrons group are like james khan sold his mm. business for 100 million you know the, the the guy that set up EasyJet, right? It's a, a bit of a it's a bit of a jump, isn't it? Like, how yeah. can I get from that to that? It's a bit of a mindset. Mm. So Jamie wanted to put something in between that, 
to let these younger generation know how how it is possible to step in step into that. So he said, so he asked me. Uh, so me and Jamie met at a networking event, and he said, uh, like my background and what I stand for, and asked if I'd part be part of the enterprise network. Right. So there's eleven of us across the UK, and we've all committed to a, a four year commitment where we put um, quite a lot of money in each year um, off our own backs into that. And we're building that infrastructure, which ultimately is going to be the stepping stone for uh, people from uh, up to the age of 30, mm. uh, come through the programs and get into business. So they get a mentorship, um, Q&As, they come down to the businesses, they get to know us, tap into our network and ultimately get moving into the Prince's Trust, right? Mm. So it's working alongside the Prince's Trust enterprise network and i've been doing that now for several months and i'm really proud of that um and i'm looking forward to growing it our plan is to raise two million pound over the next couple of years we've raised three hundred forty thousand pound since launching um some really inspiring entrepreneurs i get to work with um who are miles and miles ahead of me in business um so it's a pleasure to get to work with them and see the value that we're offering to the younger generation because i know if i had that support at younger age i'm maybe you know, I'd be even further in business. So really proud to be a part of that. And I guess the second thing is um, being able to build a business that has given people opportunities in the mm. market. So we've taken people with no industry experience, got them qualified. Um, so uh, mortgage broker, mortgage advisors, and then working in the commercial market. Next year, they'll be, quali- they'll be qualifying IFA, so independent financial advisors. Um, and that's awesome because someone with no industry experience is now coming yeah. and making a difference to our clients and also earning a very good live, living. And there's some real potential. Um, we've got a young guy who has 21 years old and he comes to me for mortgage advice, ended up giving him a job and <laughs> and he's just bought his first buy to let. Brilliant. He was buying his first buy to let through the mentorship and advice we've been giving him and the, the information he's learning from around us. Because when you work in this business, you you meet so many entrepreneurs, so many business owners. So I, you know, I say to the team, we're helping, but learn from them. These are yeah. really switched on people. You know, mm. we're not working in debt in terms of negative debt, mm. um, where lenders are chasing money. It, we're working with people that are using debt to move their business forward. Yeah. So very positive, driven individuals. So it's great to build a platform where people are hopefully better than themselves. And I feel super proud of that. And uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to continuing business and giving back and helping and uh, seeing how far we can push it. Yeah, you make such an interesting point. And I think it's really, really valid because I I agree with you. I think as business leaders, doesn't matter what stage you are at your journey. But I think every single person who's in business has a, should have a responsibility to hold that, put their hand down and pull the next generation up with them. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's through, through what you're doing or, or, or bringing talent into the business, whatever it might be, or, you know, acting as a role model for, for what good can look like and, yeah. and, and to actually, you know, really give people those opportunities. So I think it's amazing what you're doing. It's, it's fantastic. It comes back to like seeing the best in people. Yeah. You know, I talk about, so the estate agency business, we've got Jay Herbert, yeah, he's the MD. He's unbelievable. Such, such a you know he's like thirty. He's got ten years experience in the state agency. When we met Jay, he was furloughed uh, from his uh, previous company, and it's a perfect example of someone who's got should have been an MD or a, a managing partner or a, a sales director or even a branch manager, but mm. never been given that opportunity. Mm. And um, as soon as I met Jay, I, I knew he was the right person. And Paul, my business partner, said introduced us, and we had a conversation. 
And uh, we said, you know, do you want to relaunch an estate agency? Do you want to be the MD? Do you want to have shares in the business? We're going to invest in it. We're going to build the structure. We're going to get the brand mm. in place. But you're going to be running the day to day. And, you know, that's changed his life. You know, he's worked bloody hard. You know, yeah. he's worked so hard. He deserves all the, the credit that, that he's been given. Um, but it has changed his life in terms of financially and also the respect he's been given in the industry, but also from a personal point of view, he's developed as, you know, he's managing a team, he's recruiting, he's thinking as an MD. So as a leader at such a young age, which is awesome uh, to be able to share that. And I hope that um, we can replicate that um, with other individuals who have that potential. Yeah, fantastic. So in terms of sort of what's next for for you, for Ramsey and why, you know, what's the, what's what's your thoughts about the, you know, the forward view of of the world for you guys? Yeah, so our ideal, uh, our goal is to be a holistic practice, you know, so at the moment we specialise in that specialist market for investors uh, and expats and foreign nationals invest in the UK property market and we provide insurance for them as well, whether that's business insurance or personal insurance. Um, but next year we're going to be launching our wealth management arm. So Rams and White Wealth Management, where we're going to talk about inheritance tax mitigation. We talk about investments, we talk about pensions um, because our clients, you know, they've built up their portfolios very successfully, mm. um, but they need that advice. You know, they need that advice of maybe diversification yeah. um, and protection. And we want to be the ones that support them on that journey. We've got them there where they need to be. We want to go over that at long all the way. And also a lot of our investor clients, they have businesses in the background. So what happens um, after they sell their business? Okay, so a lot of entrepreneurs know about their business and their sector, mm. but they don't know about entrepreneurs relief or you know offsetting that capital to make it grow in, in a different direction and protect their wealth that they've created. Mm. So I really enjoy working with business owners and entrepreneurs. So my plan is to advise and guide them as we move into that into that space. So yeah, we will move into that as a profit center for the business, which will allow the business to be more robust. It'll give people in the business an opportunity to become IFAs um, or they can be case managers or power planners or admin or mortgage advisors, whether that residential or commercial and also insurance advisors. And then we will uh, move uh, our offices uh, in different geographical locations because, you know, we've got an office in Cardiff, uh, a presence in London, but we've got advisors in Manchester, Southampton, Carlisle, and obviously London as well, So and Cardiff. So the plan is to build the offices around our advisor team. Um, and then the estate agency arm of the business, we currently do residential uh, sales at the moment mm. and some commercial and lettings, but we're doing moving into land and new homes. Amazing. So we just appointed two land and new homes operators that are joining the business in January, and they're going to be growing that. So that proposition will be helping developers find land to build on, and then it'll be helping the home mover market because we'll have these great new homes coming to market. So a lot more stock, which hopefully helps the uh, uh, the government solve the housing crisis. You know, they want to get three, three, what is it, 300,000 new homes yeah, yeah. in the next uh, 12 months or whatever it is. So that hopefully that will help that proposition with that because there's some really good developers in, in and around South Wales and it's just bringing all parties together so mm. we can help them find the land, help them fund it, and we have buyers that will buy the properties if they're good specifications. So we only want to work with, with people of the right values as we've got. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. My God, it's such an exciting, like, forward view, isn't it, for the business, for you. Do you ever sleep, Joel? Uh, I mean, last night, I just... <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> last night, I was just... My mind was, you know, obviously been working on the business plan over the last four days for the, the last three days for 2022, and when you're in that kind of creative space, 
um, and reflecting on what we've done this year, I feel truly grateful and it's hard to switch off on that. Um, but I try to exercise when I'm not working, which helps kind of like, you know, switch off a little bit and then, uh, yeah, I do sleep, but probably (laughs) not as much as I should, Uh, but I'm enjoying what I'm doing, you know, so, um, if it, if it had an impact on my health, then I would, you know, I'd change things, but right now I'm enjoying it. I'm healthy and, uh, I'm, I'm hopefully leading from the front. Yeah, well, you most definitely are. Yeah, 100%. So I've got a last couple of questions, if I can. Okay. Um, nothing too hard. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so when you look back, can you think of the best piece of advice that you've ever been given by someone or a big a piece of advice that's really stuck out? Because you'll have had loads of great advice over the years. Yeah, um, I, my best piece of advice is uh, someone spoke to me about self-image and self-image is the way, to me, is the way you see yourself. Okay. Not how you potentially portray yourself on Mm. social media, but how do you truly see yourself? And I think a lot of people portray themselves as very confident, you know, very successful, um, but behind the scenes, potentially really insecure or really doubtful. And actually there's that little voice kind of like uh, niggling at them. Mm. They're not good enough. So I think self-image is that in, in a voice or in a person um, and the way you see yourself, you know, and I think if you can get a grip of that and, you know, tell yourself, right, this is who I am, this is who I want to be. And that's true to your values and, and the direction you want to go in, then that should hopefully reflect in your persona and everyday life. And I think that will help you attract the right people into your life as well. So they spoke to me about self-image and what that meant to them. And that meant a lot to me, especially from where I come from and my background, because mm. people, when experiences happen to them, that's when they say, you know, oh, well, this happened to me, so that's why I do this. You know, um, I drink because this has happened to me or I've done this because this person's done this to me. Mm. And I think actually, you know, that's not what you want. You know, you plus change equals whatever you want. You know, mm. if you want to lose weight, you plus going to the gym, change your diet. You know, you want to be more financially independent, you plus, you know, working harder, being around the right people will, will create that. But yeah. it starts with your self-image and what you, what you tell yourself. So yeah. I think that was good advice and it's really helped me. Yeah, amazing advice. I think that's fantastic. From yeah. a personal development point of view anyway. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. It starts with the inner you. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Brilliant. I love that. So can you think of any advice that maybe wasn't so positive um, or that you that you took and you wish with hindsight you hadn't yeah. or that it was so bad at the time that you just ignored it and went, no, a load of rubbish, I'm not doing that. And you were glad that you didn't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so... I would say bad advice is when people are trying to get quick wins. Mm. Okay, so not it's not specific, but in business, it's easy to cut corners. Okay, and when you cut corners, and we have cut corners in the beginning, they're definitely um, because I was naive and listened to people. Mm. Um, then financially, that's cost. Yeah. Mate. So I think it's better to take a long term view on things. Mm. And I'll give I will give you an example. So. Um, we had someone join us um, or want to join us uh, to be in, to, to work with us, right? Yeah. And we used a recruitment agent, but the recruitment agent were terrible. And someone said to me, why don't you just contact a cl- the, the candidate direct, right? Mm. And, and I said, well, I, you know, we, we've used a recruitment agent. We should go for them. And they said, no, no, it'll be fine. You know, they're not very good. They're not doing what we want them to do. Mm. So I said, okay, you do that. So they contacted the person directly and... Um, we got them in and it turns out that they weren't having a good experience with the recruitment company. Then um, we gave them the job. 
within three months, we identified they weren't the right person yeah. for the organization, even though we've given them support, etc. Mm. So they knew that they weren't the right fit. So we had a conversation. They knew they weren't the right fit. We knew they weren't the right fit. So we uh, parted ways amicably. Mm. However, a week later, I got contacted by the recruitment company saying that you have recruited someone that we put in touch with you. Therefore, your our fee is owed, right? Yeah. And we were like, well, actually, no, we spoke to them directly before this and um, it's it's not owed. And they were like, no, Will, and we're going to ch- challenge you with solicitors if you go down this route. Yeah. We spoke to a solicitor and they said, look, there's nothing you can do. I've actually worked in these scenarios several times and, and it's your fault. So you've got to own that situation, right? Mm. So if you look at it from a financial point of view, um, I paid three months wages. Yeah. I then paid the recruitment company's fee, but their fee initially was like 7% on a yeah. discount because they want to work with us. But they, in that scenario, they charge us 14% yeah. because that was their standard fee. And so we had to pay that. And it cost me probably like nine grand in total. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that was very early on. I think there was like two people in the business, three people in the business at the time. Yeah. yeah. So that was a painful lesson. And what we should have done is not cut that corner. Yeah. We should have done things by the book. So we hold our hands up. So when you uh, when you make a mistake in business, you've got to own it straight away. You've got to own it, take responsibility and sort it out. Mm. So never cut corners in business because it always kind of bite you in the ass, in my opinion, and take a long-term view on things. Yeah. You know, how does this translate in the next 12 months, 24 months, 36 months to us? If you're going to be watching your back or covering your ass, then you probably shouldn't do it. Okay. Yeah. And that's... Uh, so the bad advice would be... Uh, being offered an opportunity that makes feels like it makes sense and saves you money but actually it probably won't and it'll cost you more time headache and probably money as well so don't cut corners brilliant lesson learnt yes and when it hits your pocket early on in a business you definitely feel it the worst thing was that person never worked for the business when I was going for it you know what I mean so it wasn't like you're fighting for someone you know but you know know, that's business warts and all we can look at the awards we can look at the turnover we can look at the profit we can look at that but actually the reality of it is you know you're building something and you're starting from you don't know what you don't know and you're learning as you go along but it's how you deal with them lessons you yeah know, do you go in again back to self-image how do you see yourself mm. how do you deal with that is it okay well these things happen in business let's move on let's deal with it then move on positively yeah. or like you're going to let that eat up at you and then that has an impact on your people and the business so um, you really got to check yourself and uh, grow with grow with the learns. Yeah, definitely. And and when when things do go wrong, because they always go wrong in life in business, that yeah. you actually don't see it as a negative. You learn from it and move forward positively. That that's the key, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Embrace failure. Embrace. I mean, sometimes <laughs> a failure feels like painful, and yeah. you have to take a moment. And yeah, of you, course. You know, I see Paul, my business partner. He'll be doing laps of the car park when he's on the phone, when he's a bit frustrated, and but he's walking through it. You know, he's yeah. walking through it, trying to find the solution. But I know I'm not going out there to speak to him because he's <laughs> he's frustrated because uh, something's happened. But you know, again, that's another sign of his passion. His yeah. passion for the business is to move the business forward, move our clients forward. And when mm-hmm. that doesn't happen, he feels um, offended by that, and he wants to figure out how how we can make it happen. And, yeah. you know, deep passion for him. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a good point, actually. And, and often we'll say, oh, well, you know, it's, it's only business, don't take it personally. Yeah. Well, I think that's a nonsense because, yeah. I'm sorry, business is people, people are emotions, yeah. you know, we're all human beings. And if you lose that, actually, you're probably not that great a business person. So I think, yeah, it's, you know, go with the emotions, deal with it, process it, and then, as you say, move forward from there. So, yeah, awesome. brilliant. I love that. I love that. That's great. Nice. No 
So my final question then, yeah. which I always ask all of my guests and I get some amazing answers. So this podcast is called Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Yeah. All about pushing out of our comfort zone, taking risks and all of those, grabbing opportunities, which you do by the bucket load. But what does it mean to you, Brave, Bold, Brilliant? Brave, Bold, Brilliant means to me, um, have courage in your endeavours and don't let anyone get in the way. Perfect. That's I love it. Amazing. Yeah. Have courage great. in your endeavours and don't let anyone get in the way. Yeah, fantastic. Back well, to yourself. Yeah, and you are brave, bold, brilliant, Joel. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so are you. <laughs> but honestly, thank you so much. It's been an absolute joy. I've loved chatting. Hopefully there's some value there for the guys and, you know, it's uh, it's been enjoying talking to you, you know. And yeah. I think that, you know, 2022, who knows what's around the corner, but if you work hard, get around the right people, then... Anything's possible. Absolutely, my and we'll be do. We'll have to do a follow on, uh, a follow on podcast into in the future. I think see how things evolve. Yeah, I would love it. Thank you very much. Great, fantastic. Thank you. I really hope you've enjoyed Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Don't forget to subscribe and share with all your friends. And if you've enjoyed listening, I'd love it if you'd leave me a five star review.